Welcome everybody to the Pez Universe podcast. My name is Paul Weza FC. Uh, it is episode 10 uh, and it is our E3 special. Uh, as you probably guys probably have seen already, uh, my co-host, the Midnight Kid, uh, is in California at E3. So I've uh, had to kind of play a little bit of Moneyball and get some assistance in to uh, help me in with this evening's uh, festivities. Uh, to my virtual left, uh, I have uh, Marlon Anthony, a.k.a. Bite Me Bruv. Uh, and to my virtual right, I have uh, Nemesis, uh, or a.k.a. Nem, who is a, a kit creator in Pez Uni. So, guys, a very good evening to you. Uh, just for, for lay people that don't really know kind of what you guys are, are up to within the community, I'll, I'll probably swing to Marlon first. If you want to give a brief intro on, on what it is that you're, you're up to within the community these days. Um, well, thank you for having me. Um, basically, I just play a lot of Pez on YouTube, mostly the older games. Um, I think just about everybody in the dog covers um, current gen Pez. Um, maybe not many people play the older games and show you that there's still life in the old dogs yet. Um, and other than that, uh, frequent forums. Either web is probably my um, Pez home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it, really. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Pez 5 and Pez 6 um, on my YouTube mm-hmm. channel, doing some fun little tournaments, basically being a kid again. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> recreating tournaments, playing commentator, just like most of us did when we were kids. Um, and it's just been a fun little journey, a nice little trip down memory lane. Mm, yeah, definitely. Especially when I've seen goals from the likes of Gilardino and uh, Alvaro Rocoba uh, around your channel. It's been it's been quite nice for me to look back on those videos. It's uh, it is it is always good to look back on on the history of the game and and to kind of hopefully maybe learn from the the lessons of, of the history of the game to to kind of you know preserve Pez's future almost. Um, so thank you very much for uh, coming on first of all, uh, Arlen. Um, and to, as I said, to my virtual right, I have uh, arguably one of the the best kit creators uh, in the Pez community, and that does give you a clue as to what he does within the community. Um, I do have Nemesis. A very, a very good evening, Nemesis. Thank you, thank you for having me on the, on the <laughs> podcast. Um, yes, it's great to finally be on the airwaves. But yeah, as Wes has just told the audience, I'm a kit creator. Um, feels like I've been doing it for centuries now. It's been a, it's been a while. I think I started back in Pez 09, wow. and um, ever since then. Like I've just had the love for just creating kits and other content for Pez. Um, I've been part of the Pez universe, Edmonton team for quite a while as well. So um, yeah, I'm just really, really just happy to be part of like a massive team of like creators, editors who are really talented, and that's what brings you forward to Pez each year because that is really the fun side that I really enjoy about the game. Yeah, and I suppose I suppose for this evening, obviously, as, as we touched on, or as I touched on in the intro, uh, with it being the the E3 special, uh, you know, we, we you know I think literally about an hour ago of time recording, uh, the last uh, Pez uh, slot or you know E Football Pez 2020 slot uh, finished on their YouTube. So I suppose to have yourselves on who have you know kind of gone through the history of of Pez, you know. Through, yeah. through kind of different versions it'll be good to see your slant on what you've seen so far and and obviously myself i i i've played it on and off uh, through the years i i had a you know no no you know hands in the air but i i had a fifa 10 to fifa 15 holiday uh with with fifa but you know on and off i've always always played pairs so it's it's always good to uh, to get a steer on it so we'll, we'll we'll get straight into it guys um obviously we're talking e3 
Um, and I think well, I think the most logical place to start is 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 the good points that we can pick <laughs> up from what we've seen so far. Obviously, there's a there's a lot of information that has come out. There's a lot of information on the the website. And there's also a lot of information that came from the live streams. Um, Nem, well, I'll cut to you first. Um, what, mm-hmm. What's really caught your attention in terms of uh, you know what was the first thing that caught your attention with the uh, with the information drop or the information dump, should I say, that came out? Well. Um... To be to be totally honest, with the last couple of installments of pairs over the years, um, I think we've gone through a little bit of promises that wasn't there. Um, so I was a bit skeptical mm. with when Pez twenty twenty was being announced or e football Pez twenty twenty. Um, but really and truly, from what I've seen on the website and all the new features. I am really excited with with the direction they're going in. Um, not just gameplay, but they've shown a lot of TLC for offline as well, especially the Master League. But if I'm going to pick one point that I'm really excited about, um, I do also want to say um, it is E3. It is an early build. And also when it comes to, in regards to gameplay, it's something that I know, for example, myself and maybe yourself as well, you don't really want to judge unless it's in your hands. So there's a lot of videos out there. There's a lot of content showing the gameplay. Um, but right now, it's looking really crisp. But I will mm. see my verdict to when I actually get it in my hands. But mm-hmm. with the gameplay, finesse dribbling seems absolutely mint. Like it, The whole concept of it, the way it works. I've also loved the idea of bringing on board Andreas Iniesta to actually like spearhead the development of that little... Um, feature they put into the game so yeah finesse dribbling really caught my eye and i cannot wait to actually get my hands on it and give it a go when the demo drops yeah i mean uh, as you kind of pointed out there one of the kind of the big headlines not not that you I mean there's, there's so many different headlines that have came out of it but obviously Lionel messi being uh you know at least the the main cover star at this point and obviously ronaldinho for the legend edition you know, mm-hmm. reaching out to somebody like Andres Iniesta, who was not only an occupier of space, but could find, you know, you know, either needle passes on any any given night on a football pitch, to, to have him looking for, you know, one aspect of the game and to at least get a realistic kind of hold of what a footballer goes through. That's I right. think it's a is a smart is a smart move from 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 Konami to be able to mm-hmm. do that and to reach out to those players. I mean, you see it a lot with motion capture. You see a lot with kind of those types of things. But I think in terms of actually looking to a player and going, hey, actually, you, that's what you do best. So what is it that you do and what should be represented in the game? It's actually a quite smart little move. How it's going to transmit, like we said, to, to gameplay is, is you know is is a little bit kind of different i think myself what what jumped out for me um was the rebrand of the name you know mm. the e-football 2020 or pez 2020 i know that's gonna that's gonna kind yeah of, i have a lot um, of um, yeah. questions about that i mean especially <laughs> yeah. for for like the old people like me what yeah. does e-football actually mean and what does that name represent yeah i mean well, e, well, obviously yeah. i'm assuming means electronic electronic football but is eFootball, is it a brand? Is it like a new um, culture of gaming? From, from from my knowledge, what I know, eFootball is basically to put a, a margin between the real sport that we love, enjoy and watch and play to it being played on a virtual, or let's say a video game system. So now you see dozens of clubs signing 
professional gamers to actually join their clubs, et cetera, et cetera, to create some sort of platform where they are playing in tournaments all over the world on FIFA or on PES. And um, we know that, for example, PES is a, a really strong community when it comes to um, professional gamers, um, all the world tours, etc., all the tournaments um, that, that go on go on throughout the years. But um, I think this year they're really trying to push that and um, they're trying to really spearhead the whole movement of online gaming and the whole e-football aspect. Mm. Um, I know quite a lot of people, for example, who just really and truly out their love of playing these games, they can actually get real opportunities to represent clubs or organisations yeah. from being an e-footballer. So it's, it's something for the future. I can see it happen a lot more often mm-hmm. uh, with football games. But yeah, I think Pez is really trying to create some sort of new platform, which is going to really be distinctive. I think we're going to see in the next couple of, couple of years. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I th- sorry to cut in there, Marla, but I think with the, uh, as you mentioned, we're talking about whether it was a brand or, or you know, or, or whether it was just a concept. Um, obviously, we have uh, eFootball Pro, who are the kind of, uh, you know, they have their, their six, or at least as of this, you know, this recording, they have their six professional teams, which I was lucky enough to go and be kind of a PES analyst for. Um, where they have their real-world teams that are recruiting PES players to do that. Whether mm-hmm. they're, they're linking up with the game means that that is going to be further integrated, whether that means that there's going to be more uh, more teams joining the league, whether there's, been, there's just going to be a greater focus on online play. We, we're yet to really know because, again, from, from how I saw things at the, the live stream, there wasn't really much talk of how online is going to be affected, um, I, although I wouldn't expect there to be. I suppose with the with the you know your presentations and things like that, I doubt people are going to go in and go. This is what we're doing with our online play. Although there is a genuine clamour for it to find out what is going to happen, because again, as as has been a general point with the, at these podcasts and throughout uh, kind of uh, the the general conversations on Twitter and and across social media in general, it's more a case of people are going. Your online infrastructure is not good enough. Uh, you know your connections, your servers you know it's not consistent enough to be able to house an esports you know in some cases so i think that that's kind of the i think that's kind of an interesting take on exactly what's going to happen with this game is it going to be it's going to veer towards online play but at the same time they've as as nem alluded to they've given a lot of love to the offline play so you i don't know how that e-football tag is really going to affect it i mean you know, uh, uh, Marlon, I'll, I'll cut to you with, with this kind of question. Can you see, at least from the gameplay footage that you've seen, um, and I know it's hard to, to kind of really kind of nail this down, but can you see similarities to previous games? Do Because, again, there's been a lot of call for it looks as eerily similar to PES 2019. Would that necessarily be a bad thing, in your opinion, or would you like to see more of an improvement? Um, no, I don't think you can argue with the way that it looks or the way that it plays on paper. Um, it's not really a surprise. Um, I know there was rumours swirling around that maybe we're going to get the new engine. Maybe we're going to get the Unreal Engine. But I don't think it really negated it. Um, you had a fine foundation. And it's just been touch and go for the last couple of years, I think. But you have a fine foundation and you come this far. Why would you want to um, throw it all out the window and start from scratch and maybe experiment now? And especially this late in the dev cycle as well, or in the console's life cycle as well. Um, we've seen, history's taught us that um, in the past, when Konami have gone with like a new engine, um, it's regressed. 
um, across the board, hasn't it? Not just gameplay, yeah. but also feature-wise as well. Um, I'd like to think that, yeah, third time, lucky, if they were to move to a new engine, they'd be a lot more prepared. And that is going to be um, full of content. But um, just from a history standpoint, people ask for a new engine, but it's almost like they don't really appreciate what they would be getting if that was to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of kind of almost Pandora's, they, Pandora's box. Absolutely. You don't really, I mean, when, you don't know um, what you're getting until you open it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when um, you couldn't go no wrong with PS5 and PS6 and the PS2, and then with 360 coming out, um, they wanted to get PS6 out on the 360 immediately. And I think that was to its detriment. They brought it out too early, a year too early. You know, it was barren of features. Um, There's barely an edit mode, if you can call it that. Um, you couldn't edit teams. Um, basically, barely any player faces were there, and um, the gameplay just really did feel watered down. And you had that same issue with PS14. I mean, PS13 was like the pinnacle um, of the series in a lot of ways, and it was one of the most polished games in the series. And then we moved into the Fox engine, and I think that was a year too early. And again, it was regressed in features, especially in the Mass League, was um, stripped back. Um, lots of players' faces were removed, stadiums were removed. So I think you kind of have to be careful what you wish for, and the time has to be right. And I just don't think the timing is right for the new engine. It just doesn't really need it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can kind of agree with that because if you've, uh, as we've seen, you know, kind of uh, the new consoles are kind of slated to come out in kind of uh, winter 2020, you don't really want to have your game have its new engine at the, at, you know, you want you don't want to employ an engine at the end of a life cycle you want to at least go hey we'll give it a shot on the you know on the ps5 or you know the 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 the, the xbox's next console um so I, I suppose on that side i can kind of agree with you there i wouldn't want to see a new engine just yet only because i know that there are a lot of people that would go no where's you you're stupid that's wrong it's like uh, but like you said if, if, it, if it's going to set the series back and it's going to make it an unplayable game because as as history suggests, it takes a year or so for for kind of Pez to catch up with its new engine. I don't want to see that now. I don't want to see it at kind of a crucial stage. Because if you look over the fence at FIFA, their engine is far from perfect. You could say that they've taken you know the Frostbite engine and made it into a uh, you know the, the you know something that's for a shoot up into you know a, a one size fits all for everything that they've got. You know, so I I don't know I don't know how how that looks and. I don't really want them to take that type of gamble at this stage. That's it. It's just, um, you're kind of asking for change for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and again, this is an annual sports game every year. Um, do you want it to look different for the sake of it? Do you want it to play completely different for the sake of it? If it's not, um, rounded off and polished and to talk about EA, I mean, they've used the same engine for years and it's reliable as well. They get a reliable product out. Yeah. It's not, um, blowing people's minds every year, maybe, but at least it's not, you know, causing, you know, um, chaos or anarchy because, you know, they've experimented with stuff and things don't work yeah. properly and, you know, people are just disappointed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, 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 we'll move on to, to one of the things, uh, one of the things, and, I'll, and I'll, I'd like to get Nem's opinion on this purely from a, a design standpoint. One of the, the kind of the, the outcries or, or issues with, with Konami or at least with Pez for a couple of years now at least has been uh, the user interface and obviously the 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 main menu looks to have got a, a lick of paint or at least a a difference <laughs> in, in its um in its in its in its appearance and and of course i can tell from the 
the sarcastic coughing that Nem has a point to make here. So I will segue onto our our creative person, uh, Nem. Give us your thoughts on it. Is it is it something that that you can see working, or is you thinking that they've not done enough? Um, first of all, I'm gonna say that Konami have come leaps and bounds over the over the years when it comes to the, the UI. Um, I remember back when it was at PES 14 where we had mm-hmm. the little cursor. And that, yes. for me personally, was absolutely shocking. Like, I just thought, <laughs> that should not be something. That should not be something in a modern age game. And it just it, you lose a lot of immersion. And um, if it's clunky and it's not really aesthetically pleasing, you're not really going to enjoy being around in the menus. Because at the end of the day, yeah, the main thing is playing the football and you're playing it, um, the matches. But you do spend quite a lot of time in the menus before you actually get onto the field. So. Yeah. In my opinion, menus and interfaces are super important when it comes to just really immer- immersing the, um, the, the, the player. Um, for me, the PES 19 user interface, I tell you what, I do like it. I do like the approach. Um, I do like the color scheme. But I think there is an image floating around of the, um, the main menu where it says kickoff. And um, for me, it just looks way too bland. There are... Um, the, the background color they've used and also the um icons and lettering they've used it just it just doesn't stand out enough for me um it's mm. not exciting and if you're going to look at the other competitors in the market when it comes to sports gaming uh, i'm not just going to talk about fifa because there's there's tons of um sports games out there that's doing very well at the moment um they just seem to be well ahead when it comes to creating menus and interfaces to really just uh entice the player who's actually playing there's always something going on and um i'm, I'm also going to say it is an early stage we don't know if anything's going to really change in the next couple of months up to release with the interface or the menu but from what i see right now in this moment of time it's just not enough i just don't think it's good enough to ship the product like that with such a mm. bare-boned menu yeah i saw that picture that you're talking about as well and i was quite surprised and I know that um, Adam was stressing that it's still a work in progress. It's still so early, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I gotta go with my gut. And I don't think historically, uh, I don't think historically Konami have ever changed a menu that drastically from when no. they first shown it earlier in the year to when it was released. Mm. So you know, prove me wrong, but I really do hope because this is probably like one of the most embarrassingly basic menus I've seen from um, Pets. Yeah. There's a fine line I mean, between yeah, there's a fine line between going clean and classic and just downright boring. And um, for me, I just find that menu just really, really boring. Um, there's a lot more that can be done with that. And as you said, um, Adam did point out that it's a work of progress, and we might see some sort of change up until release. But is it really going to happen? I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, the only you reason said... why I think is yeah, the only reason why I really I'm crossing my fingers that's placeholder because it's it's so so basic. It's almost like it's a placeholder. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if they just needed to get this demo um to the EP floor and they just had to get a functional way of getting you into the match and the kickoff screen. That's the only logic I can apply to it. I'm hoping that <laughs> they I mean, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know whether it's just me. I mean, I, I, and it's not even me trying to just be the the opposing opinion for anything. But I, I'm just glad that we've got some color in it. It might not be the yeah. right color, 
you know, for, for, for whatever reason. It might not be the right color, but at least we've got some. Because, you know, when you go into the game screen, and you know, when you're met on PES 2019, you've got, you know, you know the, the, the bar in the top right corner is just the drab gray. And it's just mm. like, oh, come on, give me something. And it's like, at least I've got something. Like that's yeah. that's the only thing I, I I mean I even put it on Twitter going, it's not the best but it it'll mm-hmm. do compared to what we've had you know it's not you know it's not got a dynamic player on the front I mean that was I can't remember some one of you guys will correct me on which one it was I think it might have been PES 2015 where they had the dynamic mean. player the, the dynamic it. player in the list of things down the side I was happy with that I would uh-huh. have, I'd, I'd have enjoyed that if they brought that back that's enough for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd have been like, sweet, grand. That's that's cool for that's cool. Same. For me. I, I really enjoy it. I, I really like that one. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just down to personal preference. Um, yeah. You you might have I don't know ten people in the room, and five of them might like it, five of them might not like it. It's just down to what the person finds appealing to their eye. Um, but yeah, as you said, the color scheme I think is fantastic. The next big point I want to talk about, and I know you guys will probably jump straight up and go, "I want to answer first, but <laughs> the um. The, the list, and I can only use it as a list of the Master League being remastered. I know oh there boy. has been a clamour for this to be done, and I, me as, a, as, a, as an online, primarily online player, does not stop me from appreciating the fact of how good Master League should be and how it used to be. You mm-hmm. know, I used to play a lot of Master League when I was a kid. Maybe I look at it romantically and go, oh, do you know what? This, you know, this was a really good game mode, but as you've probably heard me on this podcast before, Master League was the, the building block that allowed this game to happen into the 2000s, into the you know you know 2010s, and so on and so forth. So for it to be given finally some love after so much pushback from the community to say, look, this game mode needs sorting. It looks really good on paper. It sounds like now that they're um, marketing the Master League and that they're addressing it, surely they couldn't just tacked on a couple of things and left it and gone, here, yeah, there's your lot, you know, be happy with it, be grateful. I think that, I am hoping that they have um, sat back, reanalyzed it and rebuilt it from the ground up mm-hmm. and made it that um, that immersive mode, that immersive manager mode. Um, I liked, I know they discussed, um, they've improved the finances as well. Yeah. Um, that's like been a bane of many players, hasn't it? Um, that you would have the unrealistic transfers, you'd have uh, players that would just stubbornly turn down your bids and then go to a lesser club for less money. Yeah. Um, a lots of, you know, lots of unbalanced stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they've kind of addressed that elephant in the room, you know, that's noble and that's promising. Mm. Well, I was going to say, and the other bit that I picked up from the live stream, which wasn't really brought up in the presentations and things like that, was was obviously the return of the. Uh, Italian second division and the Spanish second division. Uh, I'll cut to Nem with this one because obviously he might be doing a lot of kick creating now off the back of that. Um, Nem, uh, Nem, your th- your thoughts on at least on the first of all the the kind of the the news you've saw from Mastig and more importantly how important the reintroduction of those two divisions are because I know that when they got kicked out last year it was uproar on my timeline of those leagues being kicked out. So um. I'm going to say, first of all, I'm an absolute advocate when it comes to Mass League. I literally play that religiously each year, season after season after season. Um, I make sure I go through every little nook and cranny. <laughs> so when it comes to Master League, there's really nothing that I do. Um, mm-hmm. PES 19, PES 18, very bare bones. 
and you could you could say they put all their eggs in one basket when it came to developing those games to ensure the gameplay was top notch and also my club was developed. But um, I'm gonna tell you, I'm really happy with the proposed concepts and new ideas that are gonna be put into and implemented to PES twenty twenty. But I am gonna start off a little bit negative, mm-hmm. and it might sound it's a little bit harsh, but. <gasps> <laughs> it slightly seems like we've had to wait too long for something like this. Um, if you look at all the hiccups and messes we saw with Master League throughout the couple of years, um, me personally, I think it was a bit inexcusable being given products that were half-finished or half-baked. We saw last year that they had to quickly patch the Master League because the whole transfer system was completely broken. Mm-hmm. And is that something I really want from a game that's been retailed at £50 that I'm going to have to spend my hard-earned money on and there's been no attention shown at all on that mode? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just thought it was pretty unacceptable, but in a sense, I am excited um, for what Marcel is going to offer in 2020. But yeah, I don't think it should have been neglected for so long. Not at yeah, all. I'd, I'd, I'd tend to agree with you there. I think, I think for me... And, and my, my general feelings on, on how the last couple of days have been at E3 for, for Konami and for uh, for Pez is is that it's a start. It's mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not you've won my trust back. Not that they need to win my trust back, like I'm some kind of aficionado that they need to win back. But you, you've okay, you've 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 almost put the first slap on the broken bridge. Like That's right. let, let's let's see what else you've got. Let's see if you've got any more slats in the backpack, and we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> you know. So it's like I'm very eerily tiptoeing towards the game to go, okay, that looks interesting. That's a start. Let's see where we go from here. Because as we've, you know, alluded to through through the start and obviously the middle of this podcast, so we we've you know, we've seen things be kind of gone, you know, here's what we've got and then it'd be taken away. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't wanna have the whole kind of, you know, the the give and take uh kind of philosophy i'd rather have it where they go we'll give it you if it's broke we'll sort it if it's not great give us your feedback on it because right. uh, you know i don't want to see you know theo walcott go to spurs i don't want to see yeah. i don't want to see salah like, going to man united it ruins uh, the whole immersion yeah because you just kind of go well that's that's just done like mm-hmm. and, and me mm-hmm. as a streamer like i would love to happily go through i mean especially with the fact that they're back in the premier league i'd love to do an aston villa master league like and try and keep mm-hmm. them in the prem, like that'd be awesome. But uh, as the mode stands, as it stands in nineteen, of course, I can't do that. I can't, can't do. You can't know, I can't. I can't. You, you know, you can't do it because there's not enough to work on to kind of work your way up True. to. It. I I don't think there's a case where people can go. Pez is absolutely brilliant. He can do no wrong. But at the very same time, I don't think Pez is Pez is the scum of the earth and is the worst thing ever made. You know, there there has to be some kind of level. <clears throat> In terms of how it goes, I mean, you know, uh, that that's. Just I was going to say exactly the same thing. That yeah, I was <laughs> going to say exactly that. That it's certainly far from unplayable shit. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. not the worst game. It's not the worst football game in the world. It's not the best football game, and I don't think there ever will be such a thing as the best football game because, you know, at the end of the day, you create. It's a software that's replicating um, reality, and I think maybe even twenty in twenty years time, you know, we're still going to be having these same conversations. Mm. You know. Because it's simulating something, you know, and this is it. I mean, I understand that people are passionate and they want, you know, to feel like they've got a satisfying product. And I think sometimes maybe people just aren't, you know, when someone's like so heavily critical about a game, you kind of think, then why are you still playing it then? 
you know. Yeah. Um, but I suppose that that comes with an addiction to, to football games. Us as us as Europeans or us as people from the UK, football is our is our number one sport. Like that's that's what we want to play, you know. And and I will get my football fix wherever I'll go and play with EA. I'll go and play with Konami. I'll go and play wherever I can get my football fix. Whichever game is I is the most fun to me, I'll end up playing. Um, um, I had a good uh, question that came in from Jangov, which I'll, I'll try and cover off a little bit as well. Was that the question about if is pass assist going to really, if you know, and I know pass assist is a contentious issue anyway, but um, is is the pass assist online? Is that really going to is that going to impact how we see the game play? Because I, I don't know what pass assist these guys are on. I would imagine, I would assume that it was only on level one, but is having a more assisted game going to present more of a kind of a on rails game or, uh, you know, I know of course we can't answer that at this point, but you know, I know a lot of Pez league players. I'm a Pez league player myself that plays on, you know, level one or level two pass assist. And, you know, the game does play differently when you're on a higher pass assist. There, There is, there is no, no getting away from that. So, whether we're going to see a difference in the gameplay on that basis. I mean, if there are play tests that go through, I'd imagine that people will test that to see whether that is a difference maker, um, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got um, I've got a wealth of opinions on passing assistance. And the problem is I don't mind it as long as you do segregate. If we're talking about online, as long as you do segregate those passing levels, then that's one of the only ways you can really keep everybody satisfied. Um I think one of the issues I've had with uh, one of the issues I've had with Pez Online is that it seems like even if you play on passing systems one or even if you play on manual, you're still going to get drawn against um, people who play above PA one, people who play mm. on PA two and PA three. You just can't compete, and it's like the only way you can compete with them is by matching them on PA three, and then if that goes against your own morals or you don't enjoy playing it that way. Then you're not enjoying your experience altogether, are you? Yeah. Um, and then there's also the contention about how assisted PA1, which is supposed to be the closest you can get to manual without it being truly manual. Um, it wasn't always like this either, but it just seems to have been tweaked. So I think PA1 is the default assistance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. PA1 is your default one that they work with, yeah. But it's not truly PA1 though, is it? Because it's still laser-guided passing. It's still heavily assisted. It still heavily um, aids you and helps you. And there's not much onus on the player, well, the actual gamer with the controller. Mm. Um, there's no margin for error, really. And that's always been that. That's been a major criticism of mine, is balancing those three tiers. PA3 should be your assisted one. I want to just be a casual player, or maybe you know, you're a youngster and you haven't got the patience for you know, mastering the skill of aiming where you're passing. That's fine, you know, because you're catering into all the different kinds of demographics. Midnight Kid touched upon it um, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how you've got to appeal to all these different players. Yeah. You get the people who want that challenge and they either want to play a manual or they want to play with that slightest kind of um, passing margin. Yeah. And you get some of those who come in from work, they've had their ass kicked at work all week and they want to come home, have a beer and just casually play and, you know, uh, fling some passes around. And I get it. And it's great that you have those three tiers, but they really are more similar than actually differential. Mm. I mean the way the way that I'd probably go with it, and uh, I've mentioned this before, is is take a leaf out of FIFA's book, just go assisted, semi, manual, job done. Because yeah. then there's yeah. no there's no dispute and there's no getting away from it then because it's like right, I'm either playing on manual, I'm playing on semi assisted, I'm playing on assisted. That's it. 
I think there's such a grey area with how much, like you mentioned, that assist works within PA1, PA2, PA3, that you you, you just kind of get bogged down in it, kind of going, well, why are there three different levels? Yeah, and um, I think also it kind of goes down to with PA1, it's almost like they're scared of... Um, I don't know whether scared is the right word, but I think maybe they're concerned about alienating those players who might come to the game, might be new to football games, and you get that one chance to make that first impression, like what Nemesis was saying earlier. And with gaming nowadays, game developers, they're competing with everybody. Players isn't just competing with FIFA. They're competing with Fortnite and maybe Call of Duty. I don't know if that's still relevant. But you get the idea. They're competing with everything now. And if somebody picks up Pez and they play on PA1, and it's too challenging or it's too steep of a learning curve, that might be it. And you've lost them. And they go, oh, screw this, I'm playing Fortnite, you know, and I'm spending my money there. You know, because you're still competing yeah. to get people to spend their money within your game. And yeah. that's just the way the business model is. You know, this isn't um, a slight at um, Konami or any other developer doing that. I get it. You know, it's part of the game and it will be now. But I understand this is what they're competing for. They're competing for your attention and... I feel like they don't want to, um, you know, make people feel like they've had a successful kind of first couple of experience with the game. They go, uh, you know, I don't fancy trying this, you mm. know, and they turn away from it. But it's just hard to get that balance, isn't it? Because it's what, what do you want to do? Do you want to have a game where, like, the skill gap is gone and you alienate people who want that challenge? Or do you go back to maybe PES 5 and you have, like, basically Dark Souls football where it's just so punishing um, <laughs> and you have to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want to get this? That's that's keep that's, back. that's 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 one way to describe it. Dark Souls football. That's that's one way. I, I've never had it described like that. But that's what that's that's tickled me. That as. <laughs> so uh, so Nem Nem, I'll I'll cut back to you here. I know that we've gone through the positive and and the general overview of how seen E3. What was the one thing you saw from? eFootball Pez 2020. I'm going to try and get into this mindset of using this phrase, but it, it, it just keeps getting there. It's hard, but you'll catch on soon. <laughs> what, um, what was your thing to take away that you were annoyed with? Or, or what was the one thing you didn't like that you saw? Hmm. Um, and don't use Barry's even though, face. Even though it sound, sounded pretty negative <laughs> up until now, I tell you what, I haven't, I haven't really sat down and delved into my thoughts thinking you know what I really hated the way they came across with this or really had any major negatives um if I'm gonna have any negatives it's gonna be assumptions I really don't like to work with assumptions because you never know by Gamescom or by launch I might be proven completely wrong well how we do it normally is we'll just go at the time of recording because then that just covers it. Just for safety. safety so at the time of recording, what was it that you're assuming is going to happen? Um, so I'll tell you, I'll say one thing. I'll put, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this point into um, two points in one. So one thing that stood out that I really was amazed by and um, excited to see how it works in the game when I get it in my hands is the Inspire trait. I'm not too sure mm. if you guys really caught on that and saw what they said about Inspire. So what Inspire trait basically is, um, it's a new stat for, it's three stats for players in the game. And it's down to their passing, their dribbling, and I think their long passing as well. And the higher the Inspire stat for each one of those three is, it will basically influence the other players around them on the field. 
and it will provoke behavior from their fellow teammates. So let's say if Hazard is on the ball, the players in front of him are going to basically want to stretch the opposition to create space for him to dribble because the players around him, the AI, know, hey, there's a guy on the ball that's got a very high dribbling stat and he's going to basically inspire us to work together to get the best out of that stat. The same goes for Kevin De Bruyne when he plays in Man City. He's going to have a high inspire stat for his passing. So the likes of Raheem Sterling and Aguero will start to make runs in behind to force KDB to utilise those skills. And I thought it was amazing. I thought that's a really amazing concept. But here's where I get into the negative part. The last time Konami brought a concept like that into a footballing game was with the heart emotion mechanic. And I can't exactly remember which year it was. It might have been 2014. It was 14, yeah. Yeah, they first coined the phrase. And I thought, wow, this is absolutely amazing. You're telling me I can have my normal, brilliant PES gameplay, but they've added in a function where the AI will get momentum from different events happening in the field. I thought it was amazing. But when Mm -hmm. I started to actually feel what this whole heart mechanic was about, it was just basically a glossy coined phrase for a a form of scripting. Mm -hmm. Um, In PES 19 and prior, I thought this was just severely broken. Um, I felt when you played against low-level rate teams, then the script will kick in um, and they'll use the heart or emotion, whatever they want to call it, to create enthralling blockbuster matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything against little giant killings or when the 12th man gets behind the underdog and they start playing out their skins. But when it's every single game and it's in a realistic or unrealistic concept, it just becomes really annoying and really lazy in a way. Um, and I'm just hoping <clears throat> that what they've done with this Inspire trait isn't going to be the same way that the heart emotion mechanic became to be. Mm. I really hope they've put a lot of logic into how this is going to work and how it affects the game. And we're not going to be really seeing some sort of lazy way to gloss over or paper with the cracks off scripting in the game. So mm. that's the only negative. Um, even though I'm really positive about it, that's the only negative I have subconsciously in the back of my mind. Is it going to plan out ideally the way I want it to see? Or am I going to be let down again? Mm. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the dangerous line you, you, um, you tread, on, tread along when you bring these new exciting concepts, these innovative concepts into video games, not just PES or any football game. Yeah, It's innovative, it's new, it's brave, it's daring. It has to work. And yeah. if it doesn't work, it's going to look really shit, really bad. And I suppose that's the thing with it, is that you know, with every new concept... I suppose that the more things that don't go right for Pez, the more ultimately pressure Konami are under to make That's these right. new ones work. So, like you said, they you know they brought in the heart kind of emotion type of you know type of concept, you know, and and this you know I suppose he's kind of eerily kind of reminiscent of it, but just in a kind of a different package. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, you want it to be situational. You don't want it to be, oh, do you know what? I've gone away to Burnley. No, just read to Burnley for anybody gets on my case. But <laughs> I don't want to be like, oh, I've gone away to Burnley. I'm like 4 0 up uh, and I'm absolutely romping it with Liverpool. And then 
all of a sudden, like Ashley Barnes knocks one in. All of a sudden, the whole the whole team gets inspired, and then it ends up as a five four, and like it's like a last minute win. Now, you want you it what. to be situational. You want it to be like, oh, do you know what? It's a Champions League or a European Cup right. uh, quarterfinal, mm-hmm. and you know, Luis Garcia has just knocked one over the line, and, and then William Gallas has tried to clear please, it. Please don't. I have to get a joke in at some stage. But, um, but what, I'm good, what, what I would say is, um, I really do not mind if I am Liverpool and I'm 4 up, and there's a an amazing comeback from Burnley. The, the way it should be implemented is that Burnley stay in the playing style that they play in order to try and fight back. Yeah. What becomes really annoying is when these teams, and all respect to teams out there that are not don't have the most technically gifted players or the most physically um, top end of the range players, but when players who realistically should be out there, a 70 rated player with average speed stats or average strength stats, yeah. start to run at the pace from Bappe or start weaving their way through the fences like Lionel Messi just to give you that experience of, oh yeah, they got the torch man behind them or oh, it's under <laughs> spirit. It just becomes really still annoying and it's not exciting. Yeah. I think the whole idea of creating the the heart concept was to create these amazing matchups that when you put the controller down after 90 minutes, you're like, wow, that was amazing. Like, yes, I was controlling that game, but the way the CPU reacted, I really had to be on my toes and the way they fought back, the ebb and flow of the game, just like realistic football. But you've got to you've got to really tune it so as the it happens once every so often. Because yeah. not every game are you going to be seeing the opposition who are not, let's say, the best of opposition fighting back and scoring goal after goal just so your game ends 4-3 or 5-4 or something like that? Yeah. It's not exciting. Yeah, it's like if I, if I was to see in like a Man United v Man City, like a natural like derby, I'd yeah, be like, right. yeah, do you know what? Your crowd's got behind you because it's a derby or, you know, it's a cup final or, you know, we always hear about that with cup finals. It's, oh, do you know, or, you know, with just, you know, cup runs or games in the yeah. running, games in the running, you know, mm-hmm. you hear it from Premier League managers all the time, oh, do you know what? Every game's a cup final. You know, yeah, your right. relegation running, every game's a cup final. Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't, I don't want every game to be a cup final. Exactly. That's, that's <laughs> exactly the way I feel. When I play Master League especially, because it's rife and that the heart emotion mechanic works. It's, it's, always, it's always working that. And <laughs> not working the good aspect. It, um, so every game I play, and if, for example, you're on top of the table and you do go away to a team that's at the bottom of the table, I'm expecting a tough challenge because they're fighting for relegation. Yeah. But I'll just say it again. I don't, I'm not going to say expect. I don't want it every single game. Yeah. yeah, I do. Com- I do completely agree with um, your notion that if a lower level team was to start this heroic fightback, it's got to be believable. I mean, what you want—that's yeah, right. You don't want them to turn into a team of eleven superheroes right. and start playing uncharacteristically. Yeah, together for finding net when none of their players have passing stats above eighty. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't make no sense. Yeah, I don't want to see Preston North End pulling out Tiki Taka. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Like, you know. Um, Marlon, in terms of what you saw and, and the, the information you've taken in so far, um, what's the one kind of negative that you'd go, do you know what, I'm not happy with that? Um, for me, it's definitely the animations and like the lack of inertia. It still looks like 
there's that kind of bunny hopping, that kind of sliding in the, you know, the unrealistic stop startiness mm-hmm. of like the dribbling in the animations. I mean, they've emphasized that the words on the dribbling a lot, but there's just something about, especially the dribbling, but I'll get to that in a minute. But just things like the contextual passing, um, it still feels like the players' um, bodies aren't respecting um, the actual outcome of the pass that they perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the one thing that really does break immersion for me. And I, I get it. I don't want like pure VR football. It's never going to happen. But um, I reference PS14 a lot because PS14 was the one where it was the first time in the new engine and they really wanted to um, drive home how realistic they wanted to replicate football. And, you know, they respected the sport and they wanted to place emphasis on, you know, um, the individual physicality, the inertia. Um, players can't just stop and start and, you know, um, complete successful um, decision on the whim. Um, you know, they introduced the mass engine, um, placed emphasis on the berry center and stuff like that. I mean, you saw, um, I shared a lot of tweets about PS4 and showing like clips and showing uh, things that just are absent from these modern games. Um, mm. You spin it down the wing, you slam on the brakes and you try and do a cutback. But there's that latency, that sort of moment where your players slammed on the brakes and they're like a truck on ice. Yeah. And you've got to reset to get back into position before the defender beats them to it who's also wrong-footed. And yeah. it doesn't seem to be that much of that um, recently. And it was one of my bugbears of PES 19, even though I still played it a lot. Um, there's just nothing, no matter how much you tweaked that game stats-wise or um, the game speed or playing on a manual, you're still affected by this kind of ninja football feel. Yeah. And it still feels like there's that in this where you're watching the people play the game. And that's where you get a negative... Um, that's where you get like a negative... Um, feedback from watching someone else play because you're like I wouldn't play like that mm. I wouldn't try and perform a long pass with my defender who's got my back to the opposition goal um, in yeah. my own half and like overhead kick it and it goes all the way to the other end of the pitch and like a guy the missile lands on the chest of like a winger or something like I wouldn't try and do that because it's not what I would see a defender do in real life he's probably going out of play before that ever stays on the pitch do you know what I mean things like that where yeah. a player's like attempting a pass to someone that you can't see behind him and it's not even a back heel. It's just like this weird kind of pass where his own foot goes through his other leg and the ball still goes like, you know, on this perfect trajectory. And um, it's things like that, that I saw in the tra- in um, the gameplay footage that um, turned me off a little bit and worried me. And I think that it's going to make it to the final game. They say um, that they slowed it down and that um, the passing is contextual and stuff like that. But um, I don't buy it. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that... This is why people get like a bad taste from like the PR sometimes, you know, from um, your Adams or your Asims when it just comes across like lying. You know, I'm watching it with my own eyes this time. It's on the screen, on the stream. Um, there was an instance where Beckham trapped the ball and he basically, it was on his right side and it was on his right foot, but for some reason, his whole body comes across and he crossed it with the left foot. And then Adam said something like, oh, look at that, you know, that's what we've been working on. And I was like, don't lie. <laughs> you're lying <laughs> and yeah I'm not trying to sound like this is you know a cuss parade or anything but it's just just don't lie it's not ridiculous to the point where like you know an alien spaceship has teleported the ball from end of the yeah. pitch but it still doesn't look right and um, that's what disappoints me and it was so right at one point in time and especially um, and I sound like I'm biased towards those PS2 pieces but they got it right you know if you attempted to pass and your body positioning wasn't correct for it. You know, the ball was too close to your feet or something. You're scuffing that pass. You're tripping over it. It was bobbling somewhere where you don't want it to go. 
mm-hmm. and it punished you for rushing and not respecting where your player was with the ball. Yeah. And nobody turned around and said, oh, this game's crap, it's unplayable. You know, it was one of the most popular games of all time. Um, so I don't know what they're afraid of. I mean, I know that the game changes a lot as well from launch um, and it gets patched and, you know, they sneakily speed things up. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why, because I think if you just leave things as it is, leave it as they are in those demos where they get um, lots of positive feedback. And I think people are still going to play it. You know, some of the yeah. highest rated FIFA games as well, you know, like 16 is a really popular FIFA game even to this day. And they place a lot more emphasis on realism and um, body positioning and momentum and contextual passing. And I don't really recall many people complaining about this and saying, oh, this is bad. I'm going to stop spending my money in the game. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Because, I mean, I think the thing for me, and it was it was more from the presentation side of things than it was from, from the gameplay footage that I saw. So, yeah, there was, there was three things in around about a minute that kind of got to me. So it was when they, they they couldn't mention the licensed partners. I get that. That's fine. I can understand that because you want to make a big song and dance about it. Then there was the, oh, who's your who, who's going to be your favourite classic manager out of the three? Oh, Oh well, there's 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 one that I you know it depends on the ones that we you know oh, actually we can't answer because we you know we we might have more legends coming. Don't say it. Just don't say it at all. Don't even don't just don't even bother. That's why it goes without saying, doesn't it? Like just don't even bother. And then the third one was was when they're talking about Project Eleven, and I'm like I'm looking at Project Eleven. And I'm like okay, fair enough. It it, it looks as though it's probably going to be something along the lines of pro clubs. But don't even tease it. Don't even say it. If you haven't even got a name for it, you know, just leave it. Just If it's a project name, just leave it. Don't say anything. You don't need to. Just literally just roll in, have your, have your presentation, and that's it. If you, want, if you get pelters on Twitter, you get pelters on Twitter. But then I bet you those same people that give you pelters on Twitter, in a couple of weeks when you do announce this brand new stuff that you've got going, oh, we've probably got new licensed partners, we've probably got new licensed managers, and we've got new licensed this, that, and the other. Oh, and here's what Project 11 is. They'll probably be going off their trees with excitement. Yeah, yeah, now, everyone's, right. like, everyone's now, like, it's just like, it's just killing people's buzzes, because they're like, okay, well, what was the point in tuning in? Because, alright, yes, we've seen the new game, and yes, we've seen this, but as soon as it comes to your presentation, you can't really talk to people about it. Just don't even, don't even hype it. Just literally, just just drop it on people, and you yeah, watch I mean, people go. People will go mental. And we know how it works by now. We know that you know there's things that you're forbidden from talking about, and nobody's really gonna hold it against you, knowing that there's still gonna be time between now and when the game's released when you're gonna talk about more stuff. You know, you're not gonna blow your load. You know, in July, you get no, it. No, I get it. So you don't need to be apologetic about oh, you know, we got some exciting stuff, and we wish we could tell you about it, and. You know, you build up anticipation so much that it's actually not that exciting at all. You know, this is where you get that kind of negative feedback from the community, you know, where you get this reputation of being untrustworthy or even though maybe you didn't lie, but don't make something sound like it's going to be the biggest thing or the most revolutionary thing ever. And it's not out of all. It's just a a new license in a new stadium because the exact issue they had last year was announcing, you know, um, Rangers and Celtic stadiums. Yep. And that probably attracted um, some new purchases. There's probably like a lot of people that go, yeah, I'm going to buy that game because my, my club's represented at last. You know, I can't I wait went, to play with those stadiums, yeah. with my favourite team in September. I, and went, then, I went to Glasgow yeah. for the the, the, uh, the world, the, the pre-season tour event. 
and it was just the talk. It was the absolute talk of everybody that was there. Because obviously, me coming up from Birmingham, I'm obviously integrated. Like I'm starting to interact with people from Scotland. Everybody there was so happy that it was going to be in and this and that and the other. And they were like, oh my God, we've got Celtic and Rangers in the game. This is going to be awesome. And then it doesn't come until after Christmas and you're just like, what are you, what? Like, don't even, just don't even. Like, you yeah, know. and I believe that maybe to play devil's advocate, I do believe that something happened out of their control and I reckon there it might have been some kind of legality somewhere where they're like, oh, you know, we've not actually finalised this agreement. That's what I think. Because I don't think they were that incompetent where they built a stadium and then, oh, it doesn't work in the game. And then it took like three months to fix it because I'm not a game developer, but I think how long can it go? Because... But it must have been. No, 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 no. I think it, it must have, there must have been something, but I suppose that doesn't quell the frustrations. That no, we of saw. course not. That's what uh, like, you know. There was things. there was articles in the Daily Record, which is obviously the uh, quite a big paper up north. There was uh, that the, there was there was genuine frustration from people, and uh, and unwarranted. It wasn't it wasn't like oh, do you know what? They're just hating for no reason. I'd be I'd be foaming. If they turn around to me and went, yep, Villa Park going to be in the game and they're going to have, you know, uh, you know, we're going to have scanned faces left and right. We're going to have scanned pictures and, you know, great, uh, awesome. And then, and then, and then, it, and then that happened. And it's just like, you know, it's just, it, it blows my mind. And, and I suppose to kind of bring us on to kind of our, uh, I suppose my, my last point I'm, I'm probably trying to get from you guys is, uh, and I'll cut to you first, Marlon. What what do you or what are you looking forward to learning more about? I suppose going forward, because obviously I think the next big game expo is Gamescom. Uh, obviously, they may release some information online until or even during that period. What are you looking forward to most learning about the new the new PES? I suppose. Um, I suppose I would like to say it would be the gameplay, but I mean. But at this point, you know that it's not going to change drastically in terms of direction and stuff like that between now and uh, then and then release. So I think maybe some of the things that we are contentious about, we're probably stuck with and just got to learn to live with. Um, I would love to think that maybe they would improve things that I mentioned, like they would respect inertia and, you know, maybe make the passing a little bit more, um, you know, punishable. But I suppose other things as well, like just... Would they give us anything new in the edit mode as well? Um, mm. I mean, I think something that has been a long-standing request from people has been the stadium creator. I think my biggest issue with playing this game offline and especially on console is um, the lack of variety with stadiums. I mean, you can pitch that you have a brand new mass league and that you now have brought second divisions back and stuff like that, but it means very little when you spend maybe like you know 30 games playing in the Konami Stadium or playing in the same <laughs> stadium shared by everybody. Yeah. Um, I think that's poor and at the very least you can give us a variety of um, generic stadiums of different shapes and sizes you can't just keep giving us you know the shed and giving us the Oval Bowl and the Konami Stadium and expecting us to go oh Russian League it's culturally different to you know the Copper America yeah I mean yeah I mean when when again again you're talking about a league that was kind of uh, I want to use the word neglected <laughs> You know, they had snowball back last year and it was great. We got snow. Okay, that means we've got the Russian League. Great. Um, you've got a fully licensed Russian League, yet you've got no Russian stadiums in there. 
Yeah, was... and you're just like, what? Like, come on! And 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 you, uh, uh, you know, I see them all the time on my timeline. Russian community are very, <laughs> very, very, very passionate people who are not to be underestimated. They're very much up there with your South American boys from what I've seen in terms of like passionate fans. And the Russians were just like, what? Why? Why have you not got anything? You've not even. You've got no. You know, because hell, even then you could have like, oh, hey, and again, just you're talking levels of immersion and, and, and things like that. You you look at it and you go, actually, we've got um, we've got we've got a Russian stadium. So, you know, the, the pitch plays differently because it's um, it's plastic. You know, yeah. you could take that as a different, you know, ball spins differently, ball behaves differently. You know, you you know, you won't see any, you know, it'll look incredibly dry, you know, all that kind of stuff. Instead of seeing dirt, you'll see pellets, you know, all that kind of. You know, little things. Yeah, the finer details. Yeah, the finer details you look at. You know, I think with things like that as well, I get it that it comes down to budget at the end of the day because you know, licensing a stadium, co- licensing a stadium costs money. I mean, the thing is with there's a lot of stadiums in both games, both Pez and FIFA that you know don't appear in either of them, and they're not locked down by anyone. You know, um, that's why it seems strange when they admit things like the other two Portuguese stadiums, for example, um, uh, Sporting Lisbon's and Porto Stadium. You know, they have to fight quite hard to get the Saudi to lose back in for Benfica. Um, you know, they never. A lot of these smaller um, countries across Europe aren't represented very well in FIFA, I think. And it's one thing that, like, if we're going to praise Pez as well, I think the way that they represent um, the smaller clubs and the, the players that play for um, the lesser popular countries, um, they're all represented really well in terms of their faces. Um, with EA, with their games, it seems like only the superpowers of Europe seem to be um, represented in the game with like authentic faces and boots in their stadiums. And then the rest, it just feels like fodder. But um, it seems to be appreciated in PES and the fact that they roll out those data packs um, every month with updated faces and additions, you know, I can't fault that. Um, you know, I would have loved to have something like that when I was a kid, you know. When you're playing, and obviously DLC wasn't a thing back then mm-hmm. on the PS2, but um, Pez was lacking in faces back then, and that was a big deal for me when I was a kid. And I get why they do it now as well. And it's, for me, it's like for one of two reasons. I think they want to get as many faces as they can in the game and future proof those faces. So I think that if they ever do move to a new engine, I think that they want to make sure that they get it right this time and they can carry them all over to the next game, like what EA done with um, last gen and this gen with their faces. Um, and I think the second reason is mostly because of they understand that a large part of their demographic are young people and their kids and the kids who play my club. I think part of the appeal of my club for them is opening that ball and it's like, wow, what can I, what player have I got? You know, what do they look like? And that feeling, it must be like some sort of dopamine response for um, the people who play my club religiously, where they unveil their player, he's got a face, and like, yeah, boom, I got a somebody, you know. It's probably yeah, nothing not, worse than uh, going, <laughs> I spent money on this pack, I've got this player, and it's just, you know, it's Joe Blocks. Yeah, he's got a potato in his face. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm not going to lie, that is, that, that for, for me as a Michael player, I mean, I, I, you know, and this will put me kind of probably slightly controversially, um, but I started playing Pez, the uh, Pez Mobile app the other day, and I'll tell you something, I missed the ball opening, just a touch, that spinning roulette wheel, I do miss it mm. a little bit. However, though, the, the feeling you get uh, and, I, and I particularly had this when I got Mo Salah this season, is that when you see it go to the country, and then you see it zoom in, that you see the ball is black, and then you, you can see the shorts number, so you know who you've got, and then when you see the shirt kind of unveil, and then you see the head pop up, it is pretty cool, and you do start bouncing off the wall a little bit, 
Um, same thing when I got Adriano as a legend. I was just like, this, no, no, what has happened? And then I saw the arm, like the little wristband, and I was like, oh, Jesus. You know, it's it's that. It's when you see the little the little tells, the little tells that you can that you see when you get that player. It is it is a rush, you know, uh, to see. Uh, I think it was now was it Nabi Katia that was the one that everybody kicked off about at the start of the year. Yeah, didn't have a light. Uh, yeah, he went from having complete face to then being potato, and everyone just kind of went, "What? How does that happen?" It's like I'm looking at it now. Is my Jack Greedish gonna go from being the super <laughs> slick face that it is now back to generic potato? Because there was a point made in the, and I don't know whether you guys caught the live stream today, but somebody made the question of, oh well, um, given all the faces and stadiums that have been put into PES 2019, are they going to be carried over to PES 2020? To which Lenny went, uh, it's a really good question, um, and the answer is no, because we've got. We've got we're going to be having new lo- uh, licenses and stadiums and this that and the other. So it's like, okay, so which face are you going to keep and which ones are you going to get rid of? That's where it gets frustrating, isn't it? Because yeah. you never get a complete um, you never get a complete package every year. I mean, Dortmund is the example as well. You know, you think, wow, great. You know, we've got this famous stadium in the game. It's unique, and you know, you've got this cool team of we've got a Dortmund team with a, a cool squad. And then that's it. You know, they go and there's nothing you can say and do about it. You get this knockoff version like. You know, it's replicate. That's recreated the best that they can with an option file, but it's not the same. You yeah. can't. Why can't you just have Bayern and Dortmund in the same game? You know, at the peak of both squads, you know, ability. It's like no, you get one and the other. You know, don't like it. Go back and play uh, 2018. You yeah. know, that's the frustrating thing for the console um, players. Mm. Um, it just never feels like you get an actual upgrade every yeah. year in some areas with these games. Because um, I bet paper. you any money, the first week of release, somebody will be trawling through there going, which which faces have we lost and which faces have we gained? <laughs> it's like Mushroom Roulette, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, and that's what I mean. For, you know, I'm selfishly thinking of, of Jack Greenish as, as the example that sticks out in my head. But you've got Xiao Felix, for example, that's had a really good face upgrade. Is that going to stay the same way? I don't see you know, I think I think it's more of like whether they're taken out of the database one year, like whether they become a free agent. Like Ibrahimovic was one, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. A legendary, a living legend, and you can't have the real Ibrahimovic in Pez 19 because he just wasn't in the he wasn't Pez in the database. Swedish, yeah, he wasn't in the Sweden squad, and he wasn't in anything close to a squad on and, there. Because I don't even know if he actually, yeah, I don't even think he actually existed in the game. If you had to create him with the option files, it's uh, not no, like he would have. He, he would have needed creating. He yeah, so it's not like the old days when you had to buy him from the Pez shop. Um, yeah, because you had the legends, and you also had. Um, like the miscellaneous players who weren't in the squad in the game, but at least, don't worry, we're going to give you the authentic player in the pitch shop and you can put him where you want. That'd be not. That is in a, and again, we, we we made mention of that in previous pods about yeah. we'd like to see a, a pitch shop or we'd like to see something where you could at least access stuff that you can earn in-game, not just GP, but just maybe even... I don't know, give it like a gimmick like Pez points or something where you just it's just something you earn just by you playing the game. So... You know, play online, offline, wherever. You just pick up Pez points and you can just use them in the shop. Be an easy way to do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, even the EA do with the EA catalog. You know, you can choose whether you want to spend. Yeah. I think you can choose whether you want to spend them in foot or whether you want to just buy some stuff for your offline stuff. Yeah, um, buy some extra balls and boots and celebrations. So even EA, you know, continue that tradition in some capacity. But yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with maybe unlocking new menus like you could on Pez Eleven. 
Mm. Um, you can unlock new wallpapers and stuff, you know, with your points. But um, yeah, it's something that's neglected. Even just fun things, like maybe like this is football where you had, you know, um, the outer space pitches and you know the yeah. schoolyard and stuff like that. Just silly yeah. things. Yeah, you the know. goals. The goals with no nets on. It's not forced upon you, man. I mean, like, yeah. for old times' sake, bring back the dog heads and the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the T-Rexes the other day. Uh, it was quite funny. Um, uh, Nem, in terms of what you're, what you're most looking forward to, at least in the, in the kind of the, the gear up to, to, to Pez. Cool. Um, this might be a long one, <laughs> but um, from everything we've been told, I'm just going to really wrap up as to what I expect to see and uh, mm-hmm. what I hope going forward. Um, just to go back onto the Master League, what we saw from the Master League, we, we now have the um, interactive sort of press conferences. Um, you've got different cutscenes now where you'll be able to see your manager around on the training ground, um, in the locker room, etc., etc. And um, yeah, that's just great to see that Konami are now starting to really keep up with the, the rest of the sporting um, gaming world because... For me personally, I'm not too sure how many people do play other sports games, but I've been playing NBA 2K um, yeah. for quite a few years now. And for me, that is the pinnacle for sports gaming because the level of detail, um, the attention, and the whole understanding and being in tune with the basketball culture, they know how to do it perfect. They dot all the I's and cross all the T's. And their career mode, they've always had that sort of immersive feeling where you're part of the off whole off-court experience where you do press conferences and each thing you say basically will have a implication as to how your team reacts or how fans react to you um there's a whole host of stuff that you do off the court to obviously build yourself up as well as a, a player or a gm i have been um, curious about that um so as somebody who plays those modes, um, do you ever find them repetitive though, the off-the-court stuff and um, press conferences? Not at all, because the way it's been integrated, um, the way they've integrated into the game, it's as if that when these things do come up, it feels as though it, it, it was needed that moment of time. So not after every game am I doing a press conference or not every single time I'm being taken off the side of the court to do a little interview live in the game. It's mostly down to the events that happen. So let's say... I've won a really important game. I've gone back to the locker room. I'll then be taken away by one of the PR team to say, hey, we've got an interview for you with somebody in the studio. And it feels, okay, cool. This is fitting because I know what's just happened and the events unfolded. It feels deserving that I get interviewed. Yeah. Or it feels deserving that this has taken place. So for me, like, if I, it, at the end of the day, the whole idea of these career modes is to put yourself in the shoes of the athlete or the manager. Um, fortunately, a lot of us will never get that experience of being uh, a managing Man City, being a Pep Guardiola, or being a Messi playing for Barcelona. But what Pez does and what FIFA does, they basically give you that experience on a virtual level. And for many years, as we touched on earlier in this podcast, Pez has really neglected their sort of football life. They coined it at some point, that whole umbrella of master league, yeah. become a legend. And the immersion was gone away. Whereas if you look at NBA 2K, even though it's a different sport, they were really in tune with the culture and how to make it really immersive. And that's, for me, is the benchmark. Look on the other side, FIFA, what they do with football, their career mode, I know a lot of people have been complaining that the career mode has been untouched for years, but they have a very firm and very solid base on how to create a 
a realistic footballing universe. Um, yeah. If you look at the, the way they, they control data in the game, um, you're not really going to be seeing De Bruyne being transferred to Man United for 20 million. Whereas in Pez, you're getting silly transfers like that regularly. Um, FIFA, in a way, they have some sort of know-how of the, the, the culture within, within the football, how, how we perceive it. Um, that is something that I've, been, I've, I've explained to quite a few people in the past that I don't think Konami really have that same sort of in-tune with the culture of football. They don't see the, the importance of certain stuff. So that's why we sometimes run and rave about this being neglected and that being neglected, whereas they will completely be making flawless elements for gameplay, whereas other things are completely left untouched. On the flip side, FIFA might not do much of the gameplay, but when it comes to a cultural point of view, they really know how to hit nail on the head to try and make something really <clears throat> believable, just like their career mode, just like the way how they have the youth development or the training or creating a team from scratch, basically, with a transfer system, um, youth academies, etc., etc. I think not um, only yeah. that, I think also um, FIFA nailed that match day feel, you know, that actual exactly. broadcast 100%. feel. You feel like you are watching 100%. the broadcast, like they gave you that TLC. And my, the sound of... Sorry, yeah, man. Like, just the, size, yes, the sounds yeah. of the stadiums as well. You know, you do feel like... Um, the, your crowd behaves differently with each team you play as and with each venue you go to. Um, and I think that's just been that one area that Konami have lacked. And I think that it's not just the on the gameplay that's important. It is actually your surroundings, you know, the sights and sounds. And right. there's games in the People past like... playing that spells. But really and truly, if you're going to create a mass experience, you've got to create a total package that completely yeah. represents the sport to its full capacity. Um, as you said, um, EA totally know how to nail match the atmosphere because they somehow know how to be in tune with each culture around the world and how they perceive football. So if you have a, I don't know, a game against West Ham versus Brighton in the Premier League, that complete atmosphere will be super different to if you go down to, I don't know, a derby against Ripley and Boca Juniors in Argentina. Yeah. Um, the, the aesthetics, the sounds, the, the whole... Um, the whole experience is be so different and you know it's different and it's going to be enjoyable because you think, wow, so this is what football is like Maybe. on this side of the continent compared to what football is like on this side of the world. And mm. it just creates a lot more diversion and a, a better representation of what the sport is like on a global basis. That's it. And they've, they've done their research and they respect what goes around, um, around the world, you know, um, I think that the atmosphere goes a long way because you can have a great game like um, PES 11 or PES 13, but it doesn't mean anything if the crowd is dead silent and it literally is dead silent in those games. Yeah, um, I believe there's a simplicity to the point that Konami being a Japanese company, they might not be as in tune when it comes to replicating um, football on a global aspect. Yes, we, we may argue um, that Football really and solely is um when when you look at football on a global aspect, most importantly, everybody's eyes are on the western side of the world. Even though I know there's a big following of football in South America, South American teams, the same goes to Africa, the same goes for Asia. Everybody wants to know what's happening with Real Madrid or PSG or your Man United. So 
even though there's love and affection for those local areas and um, places like that um, around the world, you replicating the Western side of football is what everybody's going to be wanting to see. Um, everybody wants to see you nail an El Clasico atmosphere or nail how these Spanish clubs operate or how they look, how they feel, etc., etc. And um, Konami being a Japanese company might not be as in touch compared to EA, who are just based in Canada. Um, so I don't think it's as simple as say move Konami, something like that. But what Konami did start to do, which I think was the right approach, was start employing people or start picking up people from these local areas. So I know Robbie was um, has a massive following or has a large fan base in South America, and he knows South American football in and out. And look where he is today. He's now with Konami. He's now with Pez feeding back, and he's actually getting that feedback from South America to try and create a game that can appeal to those people and that population. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, as I said, it's simple, but it's going to be a complex thing. And hopefully they do continue to obviously try and create a link with people around the world to try and get an insight on how to make this massive global football game be realistic. Yeah, you're right. So they worked on that over the last couple of years, didn't they? Um, the correspondence with um, representatives from around Europe um, to better reflect those cultures in the game. But I think in the early days, yeah, with Konami, I think it was better the devil you know. And I think to play devil's advocate, it's almost like if you think if we were to make a game, make a football game now, um, our point of reference would probably predominantly be, Brit be European football and British football. Right. And it's we're likely to neglect, you know, Japanese football. We're likely to neglect, you know, Asian football and African football, wouldn't we? Because it's kind of like apart from maybe a few fleeting clips on YouTube and, you know, um, places like that, mm -hmm. resources are quite thin and it's quite difficult to, you know, faithfully recreate that in a game if, you, if your source material isn't that strong. And I think that's probably the issue that they had um, 10 years ago. So it's improved a lot recently. Um, there's still those various they can work on um, with the aforementioned atmosphere. Um, but it's getting better, but it, it starts with that correspondence with um, how you replicate football from around the world. And it's not just the on-the-pitch stuff. It is, you know, the atmosphere, the sights and sounds, you know. Mm. Um, there was a game where um, when you played with African teams or when you played with, like, um, Iran or Saudi Arabia, you know, the actual fans were um, dressed differently. They would look differently in the stands. Right. Um, when you were playing with a Middle Eastern team, you would see a lot of people dress differently to compare to, I don't know, a derby between... West Ham and um, Millwall, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And that was like a nice touch. And it's one of those things where it's like, you don't even expect them to put it in the game and they yeah. don't have to, <laughs> I guess, to an extent. But they did, you know. And it's something, even like if you play in South American teams, you would see fans in the stands with their tops off. Flares, be shirtless. Yeah. You know, yeah. And there would be confetti and stuff like that. The flares going, like you said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they, they did it at one point and it just went away. I don't know why. It's a creative decision somewhere where somebody's way this isn't important or this is taking too many resources. Or maybe that designer just left and you know somebody just didn't know how to incorporate. I don't know. What, I don't know what goes on in these places. It's a mystery. thing about just showing care because yeah. if you are a fan and want to buy a football game that's going to show the best of your, your team or your league or your culture of football, 
you're going to want to pull it into your PlayStation, Xbox, con whatever console or PC you have, and say, wow, this is exactly, exact, exactly the way I see my team or league or how I see football. And if you put the game into your console and you boot it up and you don't see what you expect to see from your cultural aspect of football, then you're going to be let down and you're going to feel like Konami doesn't care about us or doesn't care about me. And um, having that correspondence and having that sort of link to obviously try and accommodate and replicate for everybody that plays the game. Because Konami have the data there, don't get me wrong. They have the data to know where a lot of their sales are coming from and where they need to focus on to try and really promote their game. And if they start using that data to really start to fine-tune as to where we need to really advertise our game and make it appeal to the masses, then they'll start to look on how to replicate the culture. And fans from those certain areas will start to feel as though the company cares about them. And yeah, that, that, that's just basically what it is. It's part of what lends that success to FIFA, I think, because you have the authenticity out the pack where a lot of casual players or people who might be even on the fence between which one do I spend my £40 on this year? I only get one. And they get FIFA because they know right out of the bat, you know, um, especially over here in England, you know, the team's going to be looked after well, you mm -hmm. know, and it's going to feel like, you know, the real deal and feel like what they see on TV um, on a year in, year out basis. That's one of the things they're competing with. It's not just about um, the solid game. It's not just about, you know, the nitty gritty, what's under the hood in the solid gameplay. It's about the presentation, you know. It's that girl in the nightclub, isn't it? You know, <laughs> going to go home with one. Which one is it going to be? You know, it's going to be the one with the good heart, or is it going to be, you know, um, the stunning blonde with the legs? It's <laughs> one way to put it. Uh, it's one way to put it. So, guys, guys, my my final question to kind of wrap this up, and I and I'll give you, I'll try and give you a, a, a the, the the typical type of question. So, one one word to sum up what you've seen so far. For Pez, uh, Marlon, I'll come to you first. One word and one word only. Um, uh, I'd say satisfied, I guess. I mean, I mean, satisfied that's three. Not... <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> because not disappointed or undisappointed isn't a word because I kept my expectations so low. Yes, um, yeah, you kind of you threw me a curveball there. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's what I had to do. I had to, I had to take the two of you out of your rhythm, you see. Because oh, so, yeah, to be fair, this has, been, with... this has been a, uh, a fascinating chat, to be honest. It really I'll has. Go with, I'll go with content. Go with no. content, fair yeah. enough. Uh, Nem, seeing as you've had a little bit more time to soak that question in, your, uh, your one, one word yeah, or something. Um, I'm going to say promising. And the reason why I'm going to say promising is um, for years we've banged on about it, the neglect we saw with the complete package of Pez. We saw them putting their eggs in all to one part basket and just focus on gameplay or my club. But we've seen now that they're starting to take their eyes off those certain aspects of the game and start to actually look at the place and neglect it. And it's a step in the right direction. I know we've not got much news yet, but what we've actually seen, the content we've seen, it is promising to see that they're starting to really realise that there's a lot more they can actually squeeze out of this game. And yeah. I'm really excited to actually see if everything comes to fruition and we're not hit by no nasty surprises along the way up until Gamescom and up until release. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
Cool. Uh, my my one word um, I'm going with is Genesis. Um, I just feel that it's the start. It's the it is the very start of something. Whether it's going to be the kind of the 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 kind of the, the kind of breakaway success that we kind of are all hoping that it is, or it's going to be the kind of start of something that's going to go ah we need something more and it's going to you know it's going to start us down the path of do we still want to play this. I, I'm not sure. I'm still in the. I'm still in a camp of it's a start. Let's see how we get on from here. Um, and like I said, we're going to see more at Gamescom. We're going to see more coming back from it. I'll be very interested to to obviously speak to uh, to Barry when he gets back from E3. Obviously on uh, next or the next podcast along, which will be episode eleven. Um, and I think we'll we'll cut it there, guys. I think it's been an absolutely fascinating chat to to have with you two. First, first time that you guys have, I think, have been on podcasts, especially the first time you've you've been speaking with me as well. So a massive thank you to to the two of you guys for 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 uh, for coming on and uh, and covering the covering the bases. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, as usual, Pez Universe will be creating option file for 2020. So I'm just going to put it out there right early, now. Early, early plug. Yep, early <laughs> plug there. It should be on release day. So. Yeah, you know where to find us. Um, yeah. We're definitely not hard to find nowadays, I'll tell you that much. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, this has been Weza. Uh, as I said, my virtual right, he's been Nem. To my virtual left, he's been Marlon. And, uh, and hopefully, I will see you uh, next time uh, with a hopefully not sleep-deprived Nindai kid. Uh, peace out, guys, and uh, enjoy your day, afternoon or evening, wherever you're listening to this.